for my home studio. Welcome to Evolve, groundbreaking Jewish conversations. There is one beautiful saying by Rabbi Chista that a dream unexamined is like a letter unopened. You know, the, the idea that it's a letter to me does suggest a divine source. I'm your host, Brian Schwartzman, and our guest today is Rabbi Haviva Nair David, and we'll be discussing her Evolve essay, Dreams, Judaism's Forgotten Spiritual Practice. So despite the prevalence of dream interpretation in the Torah, think Joseph and the Pharaoh, dreams have, at least according to Rabbi Haviva, occupied a relatively minor space in the Jewish tradition. For the past few years, Rabbi Haviva has been really diving into dreams in a way I haven't heard about other rabbis doing as a, as a way to get in touch with her, her inner self, um, possibly some kind of divine message, and, and has been working with others in unpacking their dreams. In this essay and in the interview, Haviva tells the story of how it was her exploration of other religious traditions outside Judaism that led her to focus on dreams and, and really call on them as a way to get through some, some difficult moments in her life. So we're going to talk about that. But listen, as a bonus, if you listen through to the end, you'll get a first ever chance as a listener to gain deep, penetrating psychological insight into me, your host. To help demonstrate Rabbi Haviva's approach, I'm going to talk about a pretty far-out dream I had a few months back. Now, the dream happens to have occurred um, at my one of my alma maters, the Jewish Theological Seminary in New York. I can't speak for my unconscious, but consciously, I love you all at JTS, and sorry to bring you into this dream. As a reminder, the essays discussed on this show are available to read for free on the Evolve website, evolve.reconstructingjudaism.org. The essays are not required reading for the show, but we recommend checking them out to really delve into these, these interviews. Okay, now let's get to our guest, Rabbi Haviva Nair David. Where to start? She grew up in a modern Orthodox community outside New York, but for several decades has lived in Israel. She was considered a pioneering Orthodox feminist um, as the first woman to be ordained by an Orthodox rabbi. And she also holds a PhD in Talmud from Bar Ilan University in Tel Aviv. Now she identifies as a, quote, post-denominational interspiritual rabbi. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about what that means. She's also written a ton of books and has three coming out in the next year. Getting and Staying Married Jewishly, she has her first novel coming out called Hope Valley and a memoir, Dreaming Against the Current, A Rabbi's Soul Journey, which goes deeper and, and in more, a lot more detail than the, than the Evolve essay. And I, I read a draft out there and it's pretty, um, it's pretty intense. Somebody really struggling with how to live honestly and, and authentically in, in the world. Rabbi Chaviva Nair David, thank you, thank you so much for, for being here. It's wonderful to have you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Great. So, I guess I'll I'll start with um, 
you really had to go outside of Jewish tradition to to find this practice, right? Did did does dream work come from a, a particularly particular spiritual tradition? Is it more secular in nature? Just so I did come at it um, and was exposed to it in this inter inter spiritual or interfaith world, but. I think one reason why I didn't know much about it from a Jewish perspective was I grew up in a very rational kind of um, Jewish upbringing, but also in the history of, of Judaism or Jewish practice, there are actually are a lot of dreams and dreamers in the Bible. There's Joseph, sure. there's Jacob with the ladder, Abraham dreams. Um, dreams actually play a big role in the Bible. And then, Later in rabbinic literature, there's much more conflict around it. Dreams are something, well, and even in the Bible, there's false dreamers and people who claim that they're dreaming the word of God and they're really not. And so there's warning against that. So even in the Bible, there's, there's that. And then in rabbinic literature, there's, there is one beautiful saying by Rabbi Chista that a dream unexamined is like a letter unopened. That's an amazing quote, by the way. That's... I know. I absolutely love that quote. And I also feel like it, you know, the, the idea that it's a letter to me does suggest a divine source in dreaming. But a lot of rabbinic literature also speaks, there's a lot about dreams, you know, trying to get rid of your dreams, let go of your dreams, forget your dreams. There's, um, there's even a ceremony called Hatavat Chalamot, which is, ameliorating your dreams and that is something that can be found in some prayer books even today and so there's there's a lot of this feeling of like you know dreams are something you you might want to just let go of forget um send away so the idea of actually trying to go more into your dreams and really delve into them and try to find the meaning that is something that is more on the fringes of Judaism, maybe more in mysticism, Kabbalah. So I did have to go somewhere else to really discover this. But it, like a lot of things, I find um, once I discovered it and then came back and saw it, my tradition, there actually are a lot of, a lot. There are some other people doing this from a Jewish perspective, you know, and um, so I wouldn't say I'm the only one. I'm definitely not. But it's not mainstream. It's definitely not mainstream. And when I do the dream work, I don't feel that I'm doing it from a Jewish perspective. I feel like I'm doing it from a human perspective. That it's one thing that I also really love about the idea of dream work is that it is so human. Uh, everybody dreams, even people who say they don't dream. Like my life partner, Jacob, he says he doesn't dream, but it's really that he doesn't remember his dreams. Apparently, scientifically, we all actually do dream and some people just don't remember them. So the fact that everybody dreams, that this is something that we all have in common, to me is just amazing, stunning. The fact that I, can, I could go anywhere and do this work with anyone just as a human is really um, beautiful, I think. So what do you mean when you say dream work? I think a lot of people hear that and they might think Freud and psychoanalysis and, and my sense from reading some of your work is this is, this is a very different uh, endeavor. 
Okay, so dream work, when we do dream work, first of all, the idea is that the dream belongs to the dreamer. So nobody can come and interpret the dream for you. So it's not like with Pharaoh and Joseph in the Interesting. In Exodus, you know, where someone would bring the dream and then somebody who's completely removed could just tell you what it was trying to tell you. So the idea is that you work with the dreamer, the dream worker works with the dreamer to try to understand the dream. Uh, and the way this is done is that you, you bring the dreamer back into the dream and then interview certain of the images and elements in the dream. So when I say interview, that means that you have the dreamer become these various images or elements in the dream, which could go as far as becoming like a fly on the wall in the dream or a cloud. It could be anything or be being night because the dream takes place at night or being um, a city that the dream takes place in. And you have the dreamer enter, you know, become, embody those, those images or, or elements and then speak from them. And would you like me to get into the, like the idea behind that of why that works? Or, okay. Sure. I guess, I guess first just I'd ask, is this, I mean, you talk about having the, the dreamer in, in these sessions try to inhabit elements of, of their dream is like how does that happen it sounds almost like hypnosis i can't see any other way somebody would become water or a fly on the wall wow okay well it is pretty magical how it happens how it works and it can it is it does happen in a way that can feel like hypnosis because i know when i've gone back into into dreams of mine i really do feel like i go to another place and you can, you have to you do have to relax into it and just, you know, let go and trust the, trust the work. The idea is that the elements in the dream are all pieces of the unconscious of the, the dreamer. And so they can be, very, they can be different um, aspects of the unconscious or elements of the unconscious. Or if, even if you don't want to use wor the words, words like unconscious, you can just say sort of um, voices that we might not allowed to speak in our waking life and when we're sleeping and our defenses are down the voices speak but they don't speak necessarily in a way that's clear for us to understand they might not come to us and say okay you know now you when you wake up you should go ahead and take that job that you were wondering if you should take or so it requires going into the the images and then letting them speak and because they're your images and you created them, so you know what they have to say, but you have to actually go into the images and embody them to understand what it is that they're trying to, to tell you. I don't always, it's not always about going you know, to, um, to interview the elements. I should say that also that it's certain dreams, there are different kinds of dreams and there, certain kinds are more rare, but I have, had them myself and, and worked with people who had them. So there's something, there can be a visitation dream where you actually do, somebody comes and gives you a message. And sometimes the message is more clear and sometimes you have to work it by having the, you, the dreamer go into the, the body, you know, the, to embody that, that person who's in the dream and then to say what the message is. 
there's also prophetic dreams and I actually had one I can I'll share it because it's pretty wild um my son last summer was in a like a, a week-long sleepaway camp and um I had a dream one night that he came next to my bed and told me he like he held his finger to his lips and said like shh Ima don't tell them but I I escaped from there. I hated that place. And then, um, that, then I woke up in the morning and there was a message from him. He had his phone with him, a WhatsApp that said, um, you know, come get me from here. I hate it. I, you, you know, I, I have to leave here right now. Come get me. And so I would just call that a prophetic dream in some ways, you know, kind of so, well, maybe a mixture between visitation and prophetic, you know, prophetic in that in the morning I was going to get this message from him and in visitation, you know, because there he was next to my bed telling me that he hated this camp and he wanted to go home. So that's the only one of those I can think of that I've had. So they're rare, but they do happen. And um, yeah. Was that that you you had a, an inclination deep down that something was off, or do you think you're like this was actually predicting the future? Like, how do you how do you understand that? Right. Um, I think it's hard to distinguish between all of those different things that were going on as a mother. Yeah, I'm sure I was. First of all, I know him well enough to have maybe guessed that perhaps he wouldn't love this experience. Um, and an intuition, you know, as a mother too, I guess, maybe what's the difference between intuition and prophecy and, um, and also connected as a parent can be to a child. So there's that connection too, that they can they come and speak to you when they're not with you, maybe. Um, yeah. So what role does a, I don't know what the word is, a dream worker play? Yeah. So the dream worker, uh, and that's a, a term I just use. I don't know if it's any official uh, term. Um, part of it is just trusting intuition and going where the energy of the, the dream is going or going where the energy of the dreamer is going. Being very curious and asking, asking a lot of questions, making connections. Sometimes you'll have one you'll ask one element to speak to another element in the dream. And often there are voices that are conflicting because in our own selves, we have conflicting voices. So sometimes you might ask one element, you know, do you have anything to say to, you know, does the chair have anything to say to the couch or, and, um, and so often very, that can, those conversations can be very um, enlightening and illuminating. Um, and so as the dream worker, you really are just going through the Im images and the dream and with, also with experience, you start to, to get a feeling for the kinds of questions to ask and for who to have speak to who, but it's not something that you can kind of just learn the rules of it. It's a lot of it is about being experienced and trusting your intuition and, and um, and just kind of relaxing into it and trusting spirit or God or whatever, you know, you want to call because that's part of what, um, if you believe that, that the, these inner voices that are speaking to you in your dreams are in some ways connected to some, something spiritual, 
whether you want to call it God or spirit um, or your soul, all these, or your higher self. There's so many different ways to, to name that, that, that thing, that feeling that's sort of beyond us and deep inside us and everywhere. So you mentioned the possibility that this is, this might be a, a path to, to experiencing encountering divinity. Does it, I mean, do you, do you need to believe in a higher power for this to work? Is it, is it enough to say this is a route to my own consciousness? Um, is the experience really different depending on your beliefs? Hmm. Uh, I don't think so. I, I think that it is also encountering the divine for me when I go deeper inside myself. Um, but if that might not be for everyone, for everyone, it might just be about connecting to, as I said, like these, um, a higher self or your, well, your soul also is a, is a religious concept, but it can also just be your unconscious or the feelings and thoughts that you don't allow yourself to feel and think during your waking time. So whether you consider that a spiritual experience connecting to your inner voice or whether you call that more a psychological experience or an emotional experience, it's, for me, it's all, it's all connected anyway. And just different ways of saying sometimes the same thing. Interesting. Well, a um, lot to think about. So you've clearly been on a, on a long exploration of, of, of truth, meaning, understanding. How has getting in, really thinking about dreams and dream work, how has it made a difference in, in your life and in, in your search for these things? Okay, so for me, dream work has actually been transformative for my spiritual life. And I would say that now it actually is my main spiritual practice, keeping a dream journal. Uh, as soon as I wake up, if I have a dream that I remember, I write it down. So it, was, it has been and was transformative in, in, for me, getting in touch with some desires, um, feelings, um, emotions, direction in my life that having the affirmation in the dream or uncovering it in the dream helped direct me in my own spiritual journey. So one example I can give, maybe it'll to make it more concrete. So I run a mikvah on the kibbutz where I live in the galley and uh, it's called kibbutz Hanatan and the mikvah is called Shmaya. And I had a dream that I came to do a conversion ceremony at the mikvah and there was no water in the mikvah. And then I told the people, okay, you can, you know, go get lunch or something, come back and I'll refill the mikvah. And then when we came back, the mikvah was overflowing. It was flowing out of the building and then it started to flood the entire kibbutz and everybody just kind of like floated away. And so when I worked this dream with, with uh, Jude, with the, my teacher, um, so she had, one thing she did is have me become the water. And I think you mentioned what, becoming the water before. And I have a lot of water dreams as someone who works with water and swims every day. Um, 
first of all, she asked me where, where I went when I vacated the, the mikvah. And now here's an example of how this works like so magically. So this was not something in the dream that I would have known or anything I could have known. It was really about going back into the dream and becoming water. And when she asked me that question, it was very clear to me. And I'd say when you said um, hypnotic, it was like I, I was in a trance in some way. And she asked me where I went as the water. And I said, I went back to my source. And then she asked me um, why I came back. And so I said, you know, that I have, I had work to do in this, in this world still. And, and then she asked me why I overflowed the mikvah. And I said, because I felt that I couldn't be contained within those borders and boundaries of, of that vessel. And I needed to expand more. I needed more expansion. So this told me, you know, when, when you, when you come out of the, the, the trance or whatever, you know, when you start doing the, the work, then usually you ask the person, um, where did that speak to you in your life right now? Because it's not that you might not know as a dream worker, you might not have any idea what any of that is about. And so for me, it was very clear that it was a message from me to me, you know, from myself to myself, that in my spiritual life, I needed more expansion expansiveness and space and fewer boundaries and fewer rules and having grown up orthodox and trying to fit into that world of all of the rules and kind of contorting myself to fit into that um into that world for years it was sort of i felt it was um uh an affirmation of something i had already been working with and you know it's that i needed more expansion and that i didn't need to necessarily be confining myself to, to those rules and to that um, structure. Uh, and, and then also the, the image of everyone floating away. I mean, that was part of my own work with people of, of helping them be kind of uplifted and carried away with, with the work that I do. And so that was part of also, it was about my own spiritual journey. And it was also about how I can bring that to other people and, and help them. So that's a pretty good example, I think, of how the wow. dream work can work. I mean, you mentioned you come from a real rationalist background, and and my sense that is that this this work, in some ways, is the opposite. Not that it's irrational, but that there's you know it's not a math problem. There's no right answer. I mean, theoretically, you could have come up with a different interpretation for the mikvah dream, maybe, and it would have you know, if it resonated with you, it would have been equally valid. Is that dichotomy something you like about it? Is it is it problematic to come from a rationalist perspective and, and kind of surrender to dreams which seem kind of, if not scary, chaotic, random, you know, nonlinear narratives? Um, well, I grew up rationalist, and I think part of my spiritual journey has been letting go of some of that and um so yeah i wouldn't say necessarily that it came naturally to me from if if it's something that had been introduced to me maybe in my teens or early 20s mm. or now i'm 50 something now 51 52 and um then um it i don't think i would it would have appealed to me so it's after my own inner work that it appeals to me although as someone who's a writer and i write 
fiction, I write nonfiction, I write memoir. Symbols and narrative, as I said, have always been have really appealed to me. So when I think about it, it, it does make sense to me that this is a a um, modality that that really works for me personally. Um, but there is also something about it that's in some ways scary as the dream worker, but also comforting in that if you believe that you don't have the answer and the answer lies with the person that you're working with, so that takes off some of the pressure. Um, and just to believe that you're really just the one who's, it's like um, being a, like a doula or something, you know, you're just the one who's birthing the, the message and helping that person get to the message. And so just trusting in that, I guess the way maybe a midwife would trust that they just have the skills, but then when you actually get into the delivery room, you have to just trust that you'll know what to do because you can't prepare for it before you really, each, each case is different and you're there to enable the, the birth to happen. Okay. Well, we have just a couple seconds of your time. If you'd like to support these groundbreaking conversations of Evolve on the podcast, on the website, in our web conversations, or even the curriculum we're producing, you can. You can make a contribution to reconstructingjudaism.org backslash evolve dash donate. There's also a link in our show notes. Okay, now back to our conversation. All right, well, say... <laughs> Say someone is actually interested in, in at least starting with recording their, their dreams. Um, I mean, you wake up, the images, the narratives, if you remember them at all, they disappear really quickly. Do you have, do you have any tips on, on how to dream journal? What kind of details you should record? How long it should be? So first of all, keeping a dream journal even helps you to start remembering your dreams. There's part of this is also intention. So if you have intention to start remembering your dreams, often you actually will. It might not happen right away, but it can happen, um, you know, over time of, of, of starting to record your dreams. But also before you go to sleep, if you have an intention, I'd like to try to remember some of my dreams. It, sometimes it works. So one thing to do is to keep the journal next to your bed and so that you don't have to move when you are recording the dream. Because as I said, any slight movement can already make you forget. And yes, to focus on images and the narrative part of it is, is less important usually in the kind of work that, that I do. So often people will say, oh, I, I can't remember exactly what happened first and this and that's usually not very important actually um and another thing that i didn't say before that's important is that usually the person who's you in the dream is if you're in the dream at all um is usually the the element that's the least important so to try to focus more on the other things that are happening in the dream and less on yourself. So, you know, you might have a dream that you were trying so hard to get somewhere and you couldn't get there. You know, that happens often dreams do people have those kinds of dreams. And then, you know, so that might be a, about certain anxiety that you have in your 
waking life, but then if you remember other things going on in the dream, other elements, other where does it take place? Is it at night, in the morning? Is there a sunrise? You know, things like that are often the the voices that are more important to hear speak than whether you what you were doing in the dream that you're trying to catch a bus or the, or the bus. The bus might be the, the element that has something really wise to tell you. Um, so also just, you know, focusing on, on other things besides you in the dream when you're writing it down. And, and interestingly now, I mean, we're in this period, this corona period, so I have been reading that people have been reporting more vivid dreaming now. And why that is, yeah, it could be about, uh, you know, it could be fear and anxiety coming out in dreams. It could be that people are spending more time at home and actually like more calm time. I, you know, it could be so many different things. But interestingly, people also have been reporting images and dreams that are similar to other people, you know, when, so I think I mentioned to you that a lot of people have been dreaming about bugs. And so there is something also this kind of collective unconscious, which we didn't talk about at all, but that's a whole other realm of dreaming that um, if people are all going through similar things at a certain time, they might even be having similar images in their dreams. So I have to admit, I've never, I've never met anybody who's, who sought out a dream counselor. Um, I mean, is there anything you can tell us about who your typical clients are or, or even how they find you? Mm -hmm. So my clients actually are usually regular spiritual direction clients and that they might choose me if they have a list of spiritual directors to choose from because they see that I, when I write in my bio the different things I do. And I mentioned dream work, they might have chosen me because they're interested in dream work, but often not, you know, often it's for something else. And then when I tell them about dream work and I say, oh, if you have a, any kind of dream that feels significant or was especially vivid, just feel free to bring it to a session. And for a lot of people, it's the first time they've ever done that, but they might just come to a session one time and say, you know, you said that thing about a vivid dream. Well, I actually had this dream last week or last night and uh, I'd like to try it. And then when we do it, I find that some people are such vivid dreamers. That it's amazing how much they remember much more than I do. And some people also the, the work itself just comes so naturally. They so easily slip back into their dreams and there's so much rich material there for them. So it, it, like all things, you know, it works better for some people than for other people. But a lot of the times I think people just the way I came to dream work was they'll just in, through some other avenue, they'll, they'll end up getting to me and then, but then finding the dream work to be as profound as I, as I do. So if somebody's really curious about having, having their own dreams explored, where would they, where would they start? Is there, I mean, do you just go on Google and search dream worker near me? Like what, what what's the first step? Well, they can contact me for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah, I love this stuff. Um, so I would never turn a dreamer away. Um, interesting question. I guess like anything you could Google, not everybody calls it dream work, I don't think. Um, so 
you could Google dream work, dream interpretation. There's different kinds. There's Jungian dream work. I, the, the working with elements is often called Gestalt, um, Gestalt dream work, although I, I wouldn't define what I do by one particular school. Um, but I guess Googling dreams, dream work, dream interpretation, dream analysis, but because it depends what you're looking for. Because what I, what I do, I would not call dream interpretation or dream analysis because that really puts the power in the hands of the, the dream worker. And it's called dream work, what I do really for a reason, which is that you're just working with the client to help them get to the deeper understanding of the dream. And that really, I think the reason why I think that I was exposed to it in spiritual direction is because that's the idea of spiritual direction too, is that it's not about, uh, you're not the analyst or the therapist. You're really just more like a spiritual, um, you're, you're doing more what I call spiritual accompaniment, where it's more like you're accompanying the directee or client on their spiritual journey and maybe reflecting things back to them that they might not see on their own or, you know, from what they're saying or making connections between things that they're saying or just asking a lot of questions out of curiosity that helps them go deeper. So it's really very in tune with spiritual direction in general, the dream work. And that's the, the idea is that the answers don't lie with the dream worker or the spiritual director. They lie with the person who's the dreamer or the directee and you're just helping them get to their own answers. So if I, to give folks a sense how this would work, if I, if I recounted a recent dream I had, would you be able to, to give us a sense of how you'd approach it without me going full, full throttle into it or, or how, how would that work? Mm-hmm. Sure. I know. Um, so that was curious. This ever since we, um, when we, when we started getting in touch about doing this interview, I, I started jotting down dreams here or there. I had one that's really stuck with me, and 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 just I kind of wondering how you how you'd approach it. Um, so I was I found myself back in the library of the the Jewish Theological Seminary in New York, where where I did a graduate degree, and I, I worked in the library to, to get some spending money. And, and, uh, I was, I was, I was in the dream. I was reshelving books on the stacks. Um, and, and then suddenly I found that my, my skin was covered with these, these things that were like worms, but they weren't worms in the real world sense. They had big kind of teeth that were almost like hooks and they were all hooked into me. And, um, I, I kind of realized this and I ran to the, I, I guess the bathroom and, and, and could tell I was bleeding and I was trying to pull these worms out of me. And somehow in the middle of all this, I hear what I guess are gunshots. And, and it turns out the whole building is in the middle of an active shooter situation. Somehow I'm able to get out of the building, although it doesn't look anything like the neighborhood in Morningside Heights surrounding um, JTS, but some like dream cityscape, and um, and 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 I'm fleeing, and whoever was had assailed the building is pursuing me through the city, and it feels 
feels in the dream like it just it just goes on for hours i mean the chase goes through subways through restaurants through buildings and then i don't know what happens i i wake up and and i got up and wrote wrote that down like um so if we if (laughs) if we we were in spiritual direction how would you how would you approach that like what (laughs) okay so usually what you do first is you have the person go back into the dream and say it again, which you actually said in the present tense, which is great. That was your intuition. So saying it in the present tense, first person. So that's all important to get back into it. And you might want to close your eyes and really feel like you're there. And then you would say the dream again. And I would try to feel where, first of all, where your energy was in the dream when you were telling it. and where there was more energy and where it felt more alive. And also for me, just where I'm most curious and where the images seem most interesting or bizarre or, um, yeah. So I would want to speak to, I started to jot some things down while you were speaking. Um, So obviously, you know, what's most bizarre is the the worms with the teeth, you know, so I'd want to speak to those worms I'd want to speak to the teeth, maybe um, try to understand why they're grabbing onto you like that, what it is that they're grabbing onto and what that their agenda is there. Sometimes you ask images too, like, what is your role here? What is your purpose? What do you want to say? What are you trying to say? You know, so those kind of, um, I'd be interested in the place it takes place at too. JTS, like, what is that? If you would say, you know, I am JTS. I don't know if I said this before, that when you become the element, so usually you would start with like saying, I am, you know, so I am the Jewish Theological Seminary. I am maybe to become the library too. And what, and New York City maybe too. I mean, you go through the subways and all of that. I once had a, a client who dreamt a dream that took place in New York City. And he was really curious about why, because he'd only been in New York City once. I, mean, this, I live in Israel and, it turned out when he became, I had him become New York City, he started to talk about the, a lot of things that came up that I, it turned out he identified very much with New York City, the culture, the whatever. And, um, and one big thing was he had gone through a, a trauma in his life recently and come through it. And so he said, oh, you know, I'm New York City. And I had this big, uh, shooting you know that happened and it was a very traumatic event and now I'm recovering from it and all that and so it was really really interesting that that came out in the when he became New York City um so yeah I'd be interested in like all of that the place and the the blood maybe too I mean as I would start interviewing the different elements in the dream it would also lead me to where to go next and whether I would have people talk to people have uh, elements speak to each other the shooters the you know what are what are they trying to accomplish and um it's a very rich dream with a lot of great images so i'd be happy to work it with you all right maybe when we're not recording so (laughs) okay short time out here we hope you are finding this a powerful interview do you want others to experience this kind of conversation please take a moment to give us a five-star rating or leave a review. Positive ratings and reviews really help other people find out about the show. Okay, now back to our conversation. This is a very 
it seems like a very subjective, personal enterprise. Um, and, and a lot of the way Judaism operates and perhaps other faith traditions is to a large part on a, on a communal level. Um, do you see, uh, you know, a road for, for dream work, interpretation, whatever the right term is, playing, playing a larger role in Judaism or other faith traditions? And is that, is that a goal of yours? So let's see. First of all, on the communal versus individual level, so I should confess that I'm much more inclined and drawn toward ritual that's more intimate and individual. So mikvah is a good example. And right. that's my, my other big uh, practice is water rituals. And so there are people actually also who do dream working groups. And I have a dream group, that, a monthly dream group that meets, hmm. but we're all people who do dream work. And so we interpret each other's dreams. Um, but I also, there are other approaches that are different than the approach that I use, which actually people say their dream to the, to the group. I've heard about this, but I've never done it. Say the dream to the group, and then everybody says how that dream relates to them and their life. And that has more of that idea of this like collective unconscious kind of dreaming. And, and so it, it's different than, than the way that I approach it. But that is a more communal way, I guess, too, of doing dream work and believing that it's sort of like it's all of our dream. Uh, is there room for more practice of dream work in Judaism? So again, I, I don't feel a need to connect it to being Jewish or doing it in a Jewish context, but like with a lot of things, because I'm also an interfaith minister and also a rabbi, and I like to meet people where their comfort zone is. So I might not, not have a need to connect dream work to something Jewish, but for some people, framing it in a Jewish way makes it feel safer for them, makes it feel more accessible. So, and that's fine because there is material in, in the Jewish uh, classic texts about dreams. So you can, whether you want to study this Joseph story and then do some dream work, and that might make people feel like it's more Jewish and, and it is, you know, because it's human and, and being Jewish is also uh, part of, you know, humans um, seek out religion and spirituality. And so if, if the religion that you were born into or that you chose is Judaism and putting it in that frame, um, it's not, I wouldn't say it's forcing it on it because it is there. There, there are, there is Rabbi Fista's phrase in the, in the Talmud, there is, there are Kabbalists who did a lot of dream work. There was um, Rabbi Vital, who kept a Sefer Chalamot, a, a dream book, and did dream work. Um, there were Kabbalists who did dream fasting after they had a bad dream, they, or there was also bringing on a dream, Sheilat Chalam, bringing, asking for a dream. Um, so there, this stuff is there, you know, you can dig and you can find it. And if, and that might be inspiring for people to know that they're following in the footsteps of other Jews who did this work too, even if it was more marginal. Well, I think, um, this was, uh, this was a, a rich, uh, insightful conversation. Rabbi Javier Nir David, thanks so much for, for connecting with us, for taking the time to to explain and explore and, and uh, illuminate, I think. Um, so 
Thank you. Hope we have the, the, the chance to interview again someday on this or, or sounds like there, there are definitely plenty of other topics we could have delved into. So. Thank you. Thanks for listening to my interview with Rabbi Haviva Nair David. If you enjoyed this conversation, please be sure to check out her essay on Evolve, Dreams, Judaism's Forgotten Spiritual Practice. So what did you think of today's episode? I'd love to hear from you. Evolve is about curating meaningful conversations, and that includes you. So send your questions, comments, feedback. You can reach me directly at my actual email address, bschwartzman at reconstructingjudaism.org. We'll be back in a month with a brand new episode. Evolve, groundbreaking Jewish conversations, is executive produced by Jacob Staub and edited by Sam Walks. Our theme song, Ilufinu, is by Rabbi Miriam Margols. This show is a production of Reconstructing Judaism. I'm your host, Brian Schwartzman, and I'll see you next time.